Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And the Bible says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Somebody say amen. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So that you can endure it. Over the next few minutes, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, I'm going to preach to you from this message. Fight forward. Fight forward. It's been a couple of weeks since I've grabbed this microphone. So I might yell a little bit. I might spit a whole lot. I might get a little excited and I would ask you, don't let me look up here. Don't let me be up here like a fool. Y'all scream with me. Y'all shout amen. I like that. That sounds good. Y'all get with me because today I'm praying that I can speak to your heart and that I can give you the courage to continue to fight forward. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. Oh God, I pray as the scripture says, Lord God, in John 3.30, let me decrease that you may increase. Any insecurities, Lord God, any confusions, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would rend them in this room, Lord, that you would remove it. Open our hearts. Let us, Father God, be able to hear you clearly, Father. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for what you're going to speak to us today, Lord. I trust you, and I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. If there's anybody expecting for a word from God, would you put your hands together here in this place? Come on, if anybody's expecting for God to communicate something with them, would you put your hands together in this place? Amen. Amen, amen, and amen fight forward fight forward as we started this series last sunday and pastor paul palmer began this series called apply pressure for the next few weeks we're going to talk about what it looks like to apply pressure for us to continue to move forward matthew chapter 11 verse 12 it says that the kingdom of god since the days of john the baptist the kingdom of god has suffered violence and the violent take it by force christians are not to be these passive go to church, receive, get high off worship, like if it was a drugstore, hang out and do our little country club and create cliques where we speak about other Christians. Our relationship, our job is that of a family. That's why we have in our website, everywhere that you look, when you walk through these doors, that we don't do church members, we do family. Now family, family has to fight. Family has moments where we lock arms together. Family has moments during the high times when we're at the wedding and we're having fun, like at Whitley and M's wedding, where we were dancing and laughing and having a good time. And they're back. They got the married glow on them. We love you. We missed you. They had a blast. But family celebrates. But in hard times, families get together. Yesterday was heartbreaking for me to watch a, a longstanding member of this church, uh, which was Faith Family, uh, Connie that her son had passed away. And yesterday we were here as we celebrated the memorial of his life because he passed away at the age of 41. And it puts things into perspective. It puts things into perspective because this is what life looks like. It's fragile. Not only is it fragile, but it's a fight. Moving from Miami, Florida, and we were down there last week um, and we were hanging out, spending some time, got some time off with the family, got to see in-laws. And I, as we were down there, I noticed how much I hate Miami. I mean, I love the people. I miss the people. I hate the city, bro. Like, if anybody is from South Florida, you, the moment you get off the plane, like, you, you clench your fist for no reason. 
you start talking different. You know what I mean? Like you're just, you're in the car and you're whispering things and you're like, why did I just say that? And you, you just start noticing different because what happens is that, and I'm not even making, my, my wife is right here. Uh, we're in the car and the light turns green. The moment it turns green, it's like people have a responsibility to let you know, hey, you need to go. Beep, beep. Bro, the light just turned green. Give me a second, my guy. Let me just relax. The week before I did that, I was sitting at a red light and I never text and drive, but I was scrolling through Instagram. And as I was scrolling through Instagram, I stopped judging me. Stop judging me. You do the same thing because it's a red light. It's safe to do it. And at the red light. And then all of a sudden, when I look up, this happened a week ago. I've told this story about years ago, but this happened a week ago. As I'm scrolling, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, the green light. As soon as I hit the gas, the light turns yellow. Meaning I had been at that green light for a while and nobody beeped at me. I mean, Georgia's just different, bro. And it was funny because Georgia has grown on me. And we've been here for six years. This is home. I'm buying my grave plot here. We ain't going nowhere. I know my wife wants to go back one day. I don't know in Jesus' name. But, but I love Georgia. It's changed me. It's changed the way that I do. Because now I'm driving in Miami and where people are beeping at us. And it's funny because somebody was beeping at us the other way. They got upset at them. We just throw hearts. We used to wave with one finger. Now we throw hearts. Heart you. I love you. But what happens is this, man, is it, is it, this is what life looks like. I've matured and I've grown where I'm able to stop. No, the things that I used to struggle with, I don't struggle with no more because there's only two times that you fight with people. Like three times when you fight with people physical. But I'm too old for that. I ain't trying to fight. I want to be a pacifist. I ain't trying. I'm doing all that. But if my family's involved, we can do it. But listen, two things. <laughs> two things. We only fight with people in the car. You don't look at me with your face. Oh, I'm so holy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I read the book of Habakkuk. I get it. But you fight with people in the car and you fight with people on Facebook. Only two places. And I fight with them in my brain. I don't do it out loud. I don't say nothing. It's just in my brain right here. In the car, I'm like, you idiot in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But this is what life looks like. It's a fight. We're introduced to this church in Corinth. The church in Corinth who was absolutely debaucherous. Yo, I mean, these people would sleep with anything, with anybody. And these people were living their life wide open. They didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in anything. Paul comes in there and Paul begins to teach the gospel, begins to talk to them about Jesus. Little by little, not only do they receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but now they become converted. They change their lifestyle. But yo, this lifestyle change for them especially was one that came with a bunch of fighting because they knew one way of living, which was debaucherous. They make Las Vegas seem like a kid's ministry. Like, I mean, they were tough people. But all of a sudden now, here it is that they've changed and converted and given their life to Jesus. And now they're in a fight because you can give your life to the Lord and you can say the prayer and you can write your card and say, I made a decision and you can go through discipleship. You're still in the middle of a fight. I can prove to you why you're in the middle of the fight because when somebody says something to you, disrespectful, slick, sly, you know, you, you sit there and in your mind, you just, uh, it's your husband, it's your wife sometimes, it's your boss, sometimes it's your kids, and all you do is you just, <laughs> got it. Behind that, got it. They have no idea how close they are to life and death. Like, yo, you're about to die and you have no idea. The only thing separating you from dying right now and this laugh, on the other side of it, there is a passion to grab you by your ear. But what happens is that there is a Holy Spirit inside of us that begins to muzzle us. He begins to grab us and say, yo, relax. But it's not without a fight. Because on one side, we want to hit him with a two-piece and a biscuit. We're thinking to ourselves, God, I did so good last week. I didn't sin last week. I did really good. Let me just waste one good sin. Let me just one time. Like, 
like, God, how does this grace thing work? Do I got credit on this? Because last week I did good. If you let me just, just one time, I just want to get off one time. And then on the other side, it's just like, yo, you've grown past that. Don't hit him. Don't hit her. Relax. Put your earrings back on. Put your shoes back on. You don't have to. And, but it's a fight. The children of Corinth, this is who they are. The city of Corinth, this church, we're in a fight back and forth because they live such a debaucherous lifestyle. Now, the things of God, they loved. They loved the gifts of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, most of what we're taught, a lot of what we're taught when it came, when it comes to the gifts of the spirit are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. I mean, an incredible piece that you can go back and do some homework on. We taught on it for 11 weeks on the gifts of the spirit, just on those two chapters, because there's so much meat. There's so much learning. The children of Corinth, the, the city of Corinth, the church of Corinth, they loved the gifts of the spirit. They loved the moving of the spirit, but they couldn't keep their pants up and their skirt down. Morality was something that they dealt with so strongly that they were able to live a life where they experienced God, but yet they were dealing with some of the elementary things because they couldn't live morally. And this is where Paul steps into the picture. And we get this 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There is no temptation that has overtaken you except that which is common to, God, to man. But God is faithful. While you're going through the middle of it, God is faithful we're introduced to a picture of a faithful God your boss isn't faithful because he told you he was going to give you that raise he was going to give you that position and he never gave it to you sometimes our own spouses sometimes our own jobs sometimes our own life sometimes we aren't faithful but God is faithful he's the one that regardless of your time because I know the time is what makes it faithful or not because that's how you dictate God's faithfulness depending on the time because I prayed for something and it took me a little while but if you look back he answered you he just didn't answer you the way that you wanted him to answer you because he's faithful he's not thinking about giving you a little candy or a bank account or a hundred million dollars so that you can go spend it and kill yourself but what God is doing is that he's developing character he's developing morals he's developing strength inside of you but he's still faithful when you're tempted, the Bible says that God will create an, a way of, a, of escape. And it doesn't talk about a way of escape so that you can leave and run away from a situation, but a way of escape so that you can bear it. We're introduced to this God. Greek theologian called him the Archeo, the great architect. This God that builds you and he puts certain specifications inside of you. He puts certain things inside of you because he created you. An architect, an architect doesn't usually grab a, a bulldozer. An architect doesn't have a chipping hammer in his hand or a hammer most of the time. He's not working. He's not doing all these things. What he does is that he builds a construct, a building, and he understands what grade of concrete needs to go in there, what level of steel needs to be placed in there, what kind of wood needs to be applied. The architect is the one that actually looks at it, stands back, and is able to construct this thing. And it's crazy because I, I remember one of my first jobs as an adult, and we were talking about this in our, in our men's G group. We were talking about our first jobs. But as an adult, my first job was like a grocery, bad grocery boy. But as an adult, I remember that we were building in Miami, Florida. We were building this big shopping mall. And I noticed that we were down in the trenches for like six to nine. It had to have been six or nine months, somewhere around there. And we were about 30 feet underground. And we were digging these trenches that were just huge. And some of us had to dig these trenches. Some of us, the younger guys, praise God, we had to dig these trenches that were 12 feet six feet long and then four feet wide so it was just this huge rectangle and we were in the ground and we didn't have no fiji or voss water we had a hose and the hose was let out yellow water 
And there were some intelligent people that brought a bunch of Gatorades and they had their little coolers, you know what I mean? All you prepared people, I can't stand y'all. And they would go and they, can I get a Gatorade? No, buy your own Gatorade. And, and then us, you know, who were unprepared, we were the ones that had a Gatorade bottle that was empty and then we had the yellow water and we were just in Jesus' name, purify it right now, Lord. And just, and just drink it because we were so hot and we were so dehydrated and I was mad down there. I'm like, yo, I don't understand. Why are we sitting here so, it's so dark, it's dirty, it's Miami, so it's not hot, it's humid hot. So think of hot water and you boiling inside of it, right? So this is me in the trenches and I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is retarded. Why am I? I can't say that word. This is really bad. Why am I doing this? I hate this. And then I started to understand. Even now, across the street from our house, a couple of blocks away from our house, we're driving by this plot of land. And the, the mayor told us that they were building these three-story high rises. And it took about what? Like a year, two years? And we're sitting there, we're like, yo, these people are doing all this. But see, I came from that world, so I understand. And I would tell the kids, watch. The moment that you see something get built up, it's going to be on and popping. I mean, in a, in a week, you're going to watch as this thing just goes up. I'm telling you, the longer you go down, the higher you're going to go up. What happens is this, that the foundation is built so strong that you can begin to build on it. Now, the architect doesn't have to think to himself. He doesn't have to pray. He doesn't have to ask for advice how many floors can go on top of that. Now, why? Because he built it. He said, I'm going to make sure that the foundation is this big, is this strong, because I want it to have this much height on it. I want this many floors to be on it. So when God can tell you that he's created a way of escape so that you can bear it, that's not an uncomfortable word that's not a comfort word that is him knowing exactly how he made you how he builds you how he gave you strength you're carrying things that other people can't carry you're walking in seasons that other people can't carry that's why it's so important for you to understand number one the way that God built you that yo you're strong he knows how much you can bear he knows how much you can carry that's why he's dug so deep that's why there's so much pain sometimes you dug deep because of how high God wants to do it but that's why you don't sit there and covet other people and want other people's position or what they are. And you see somebody holding a microphone or you see somebody in a different lifestyle. And you're like, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I had their money. I wish I had their wife. I wish I had their car. I wish I had their house. You never want to find yourself in a place that you weren't created for. It's one of the most miserable things in your life to find yourself in a space that you were never created for because you watched somebody else do it. In reality, what that's going to do is that that's going to break you and that's going to kill you. Now, I want you to understand that God is sovereign and God loves you. And there are times in our life that we've made some decisions and we've gone the, right, the, the, the way that we weren't supposed to. And God still sustains you and you weren't crushed and you weren't killed because of God's grace. Because God loves you. Because God cares for you. That's why he's protected you. That's why he's kept you safe. You've walked into places and you find yourself in spaces that you weren't called to those. But because of your rebellion, because you didn't want to be broke the way your mama was broke. Because you created these goals that were not goals that God gave you, but you made them yourself. You better thank God that he hasn't allowed for that building to crush you. It's been the grace of God. Paul, the Bible says, and Paul says, I, I got this thorn in my flesh. And this thorn is like I want it out. And God says, in the midst of it, my grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. This is the God that we serve, that in moments where we feel like everything's crushing, we got a grace over our life that God protects us, that God keeps us in the midst of everything that is around us. Not only does he keep us, he protects us, he sustains us. 
But if I'm honest with you, I feel like the church, when it comes to the building and to the stuff that God puts on you, I feel like as a church, we've gotten to a place where we, we preach these these messages, right? And I'm never going to speak about any other pastor because I am a pastor. Don't ever come to me and tell me about your church and how bad your pastor was. I'm going to look at you sideways. They, we are flawed and we're messed up. We make some stupid decisions. We're trying the best that we can. But I do understand that there, there are some things that we've taught wrong. And I feel like we've, we've, we've given these feel-good messages where we're just like, you never have to go through anything. And as a Christian, God doesn't want, I even had somebody one time tell me when I told them, yo, if God has you to go through that, it's because he's trying to, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Okay, cool. I'm not speaking it over you. I'm just telling you that suffering reveals the strength inside of you. That there are times that God will allow things to happen to you that feels like it's crushing me. It's not really crushing you. It's actually developing you. And you have to understand that all suffering is not bad suffering. There are times in your own personal life that God is trying to mine out some things. He's trying to strengthen you in certain areas. And it feels like he's crushing you. Like, God, I thought you built me for this. He did. It's just going to hurt a little bit because you need it to hurt a little bit so that it can reveal the strength that you have inside of you. Can I tell you, a preaching isn't going to reveal the strength that you have inside of you. I'm trying my best to provide something for you, for you to go back and for you to examine your own life and understand the strength that God has given you. But I want you to understand, this doesn't, a movie that you watch and you get inspired and throw your leg up, oh, I'm Karate Kid now, I'm about to kill everybody. Yo, I get that. But that doesn't reveal to you what's happening. What reveals to you how strong what God has put inside of you, the type of construct that you're built from, is always going to be pain and it's going to be suffering. Because those moments you can look at it and say, man, God, I made it through that season. I thought it was going to crush me. I thought it was going to kill me. That means that there's something inside of me that's strong. Because the things that you dealt with and you were so scared of and broke you so bad three years ago are now the things that you're comforting and giving strength to other people with. Because God has developed a strength inside of you, a determination in you because you went through it and we think we're not supposed to go through anything no I think it reveals to you who you are I, I think it not only reveals to you who you are it surprises you like I mean look the devil he thought he could and he keeps throwing stuff and he's just like I'm gonna mess you up I'm gonna mess your leg up I'm gonna mess your back up I'm gonna give you a sinus infection I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and I still can't get this kid to curse God I'm gonna try to take everything away from you I'm gonna try to do everything that I can in my power and I know that the devil's kind of like yo at what point because he's not omnipresent he's not omniscient he doesn't know everything he's not everywhere so he doesn't understand everything but as he looks at me I know that he's confused but can I be honest with you I'm confused I'm still trying to figure out why that bullet jammed why that gun jammed when the guy had a gun in my face I'm still trying to understand why that car didn't kill me I'm still trying to figure out how I didn't make that mistake I'm still trying to figure out how I didn't kill my kid by accident I'm still trying to figure out how God has sustained me I'm surprised at how God has done I'm surprised at what I'm built up because I don't think I'm this strong but God has shown me over pain over suffering over the things that the enemy has done I step back and I look at myself and I'm surprised I should have been dead I should have been in prison I should have been so messed up I don't even understand it but it's because of the grace of God. But because of the grace of God, the enemy is the enemy. And I'm not sitting here shining a light on him, but, but I want you to understand that the enemy is the enemy. He's going to try to throw everything. One of the oldest manuscripts, the oldest writings that we have in the Bible is the book of Job. The, the book of Job, the Bible says that God is sitting here having a conversation with the enemy and tells him, yo, where you, where you been at? I've just been walking to and fro. And then he says, have you, <laughs> have you, have you seen the specks on my servant Job. Have you seen him? And he said, yeah, you got a hedge of protection around him. 
You're covering him. You got grace around him. But, but I bet you if you remove that grace from him, I guarantee you that he's going to curse you to your faith. And God said, take your best shot. See, I know what I built him like. You can take everything from him. You can hurt him as deep as you want to hurt him. But I know what I built inside of him. And at the end of the story, though he suffered loss, though he suffered pain, he found himself on the other side of the book of Job with more than he ever had, with more strength, with more power. Even today, we're still talking about the story of Job because of what he went through. Can I tell you that in moments of your life where you go through the roughest times, that God hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's not trying to kill you. God is actually there with you. And the enemy has no power. He has no authority unless God allows him to. But if he allows him to, then you got to understand God's in control. My kid's going crazy. He's strung out on crack. I don't know what's happening. God is still in control. God, I know that you're sovereign. I know that you're strong. And the end of this thing is going to be so much better than the beginning of this thing there are moments in your life that you have to trust God and you have to believe that God knows exactly what he's doing I mean look back at your life look back at the things that you've been look back at the mistakes that you made and how you're still breathing God wouldn't do it to you if he first didn't put it in you he, he built you in such a way that you can withstand stuff that other people can't withstand. There are things inside of you, and my hope and my desire is that I'm trying to encourage you because I want you to walk out of this place understanding, yo, I'm built a little different. I've called on the name of Jesus. Yo, I'm a child of the king. There is favor over my life. Favor just doesn't mean that God's going to give you $100 million in your bank account. Favor means that when I walk into a meeting, there's seven people who are highly intelligent, highly studied. These people have more degrees than I have. But there's something that God has deposited in me as a child of God that when I speak, they turn around and they're like, yo, that's a great idea. There is favor over my life that when people submit contracts, I'm going to submit a contract. And all of a sudden, they're looking looking at that and they're saying there's something about this that I want to do there's a favor over our life that's what I'm trying to help you to understand that's not a prosperity message that's not a prosperity gospel oh my god he's one of these televangelists no this is the bible this is the God that we serve, that we walk in a totally different lane than those that live outside of the household of faith. We're children. We're heirs to the kingdom. We have things around us, man, that God allows for us. To, that's why when you're sitting there and you're having conversations with people, you think a little bit differently. I want to show you something. Look at this with Moses. I want you to turn the Bible. Um, Numbers chapter 11, verse 17. Numbers chapter 11, verse 17. I want you to see something. Moses. It's in a space that I feel like I've been there a million and one times. And maybe you could relate, maybe not. But I want to share this scripture with you real quick. The Bible says, so Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these crazy people on me? I'm sorry, it doesn't say crazy. That's the Cuban international version. Um, the burden of these people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to your fathers. Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me saying, give us meat that we may eat bars. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight then don't let me, don't let me see my wretchedness. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men 
of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and the officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may meet and stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear that you may not bear it yourself alone we see this architect again we see first corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 we we see it all over again just in a different light god who is faithful will not let you bear more than you are able to bear but with every temptation he will provide a way of escape so that you can bear it so that you can endure it i, I want to show you two quick little things that i think is found in numbers chapter 11 verse 17 that i think will show you um who god is the bible says that moses is at his place where he's overwhelmed the people are asking him hey can you bring us meat we want meat you brought us out of egypt you brought us into the desert we're gonna die give us meat give us meat give us meat and they're overwhelming him to the point that moses is saying renee kill me like what kill me i didn't have the, i didn't give birth to these people like y'all don't want nothing to do with these people like yo why are you driving me nuts have you ever been there you know what i'm saying when you when you're sitting here and you're talking to somebody with an issue and while you're talking to them you get three other text messages with people asking you questions you know what i mean emails from emails on top of emails the moment that you leave one day from your job you go back the next day and there's 48 different issues that are happening you couldn't figure that out you couldn't think about this by yourself. You know, when your car gets messed up and you got to figure out your car and then all of a sudden, once your car gets messed up, you get to the house and the microwave isn't working. And your boss gets on your last nerve. Not Jason Peoples because he's the best boss ever. Your boss, gets on the la your boss gets on your last nerve and then you go home and then your husband want to ask you why you ain't cook yet. Or, or just say, babe, did you make anything to eat? No! No, figure it out. Go call Little Caesars all day long. God, I didn't give birth to these people. Just kill me. This was Moses. Moses is at a place that we've been there where we're just overwhelmed. And look at what God says. I know your specs. I know your constructs, Moses. Watch this. Please catch this. I want you to see something. Moses, I know who you are. Watch this. He says, God, kill me, man. I'm, I can't deal with all these ratchet people. Like, I need help. I need help, too. Jesus, like, I don't want them. I hate these people. Like, it, but the Bible says that Moses, God responds to him and he tells him two things that I think are super clear. Number one, in your midst of your overwhelmingness, of your craziness, of your mind going in 58 different, God is always going to use something that's close to you. We're all waiting for this big revelation, for this big moment, for God to discover our purpose. God, I need to show me what I'm supposed to do in the world. You've been doing it for a long time. It's inside of you. You're the one that's minimizing it. But that thing is already inside of you. Remember, when you discover your design, you discover your destiny. There are things that are already inside of you. That's the purpose. That's the things that God wants to do in your life. He's already giving you the skills, the talent. You're waiting for this magical moment to happen during worship or for the pastor to lay hands on you and say, you're going to be a missionary to Africa. Yo, listen, there is, there is something that God has already placed inside of you. God is going to use the things that are ordinary. The Bible says, I want you to bring me seven of the elders that are already around you. I want you to get some people the causer and we talked about the causer i don't even know that's a word we talked about this a few weeks ago but the cause of your issues nine times out of ten is going to be the resolution of your issues it's people god says i want you to bring 70 elders 
and I want you to bring them over here. See, God is always going to use people to help you to go from one season to the next. My pastor in Miami, he said something. I saw it online, and I thought it was really, really remarkable. He said, when you need money from God, God is not going to just all of a sudden money falls off from a tree. It's happened. Well, you go to the, to the mailbox, and you open up the mailbox, and money is there. But that money didn't come directly from heaven. God used people. God uses people. God, I need a job. God, I need this. I need that. God doesn't automatically just open up a business. It has your name in the front. He gives you all the tools and gives you all the resources. No, he brings you to a person. He brings you to people. God is always going to use people. Yo, that's why it's so vital. Listen to me. Come back to me. If you're taking notes, come back to me for a second. That's why it's so vital and so important. It's not another thing to do. But that's the reason why we have all of our G groups on Wednesday. The reason why we have our G groups on Wednesday, and we're at the beginning of this thing. The G groups haven't developed what we wanted to develop yet. Right now, we're having incredible conversations as men. We're opening up. We're being real with each other. We're level 20. The ladies, the youth. I mean, they're having great conversations. But the fruit of watching a G group really happen is outside of Wednesdays, outside of Sundays, when you're starting to watch people hang out with each other when there's real relationships that starts to get built when people are like yo i'm in a financially stressful situation this job right now i need to find something else oh we're hiring at my job i mean that's where relationships come into play where all of a sudden it's like yo i have a dream in my heart and here's what i want to do oh my god you will never believe it god just led me to my journal from when i was 21 years old and he told me that this would come back and it's exactly what you're saying he brings people into the equations that's why wednesdays are so vital and so important what we're trying to do is not create another service we want to foster relationships we don't want you to do life by yourself we want you to be able to have people in your life that you can talk to and you can continue to grow with God, the Bible says, he brings Moses 70 elders. And then he does something that I think is really, really cool. You may have not caught this. Bring that scripture back up for just a second. I want you to see this. He says, I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it alone. I will take of my spirit that is upon you how come he didn't say my spirit? Could it be, and it is, that the spirit that God took from Moses to put onto them, all oh, super deep, Chino, we got to go into the Septuagint. Let's do it. But could it be that the spirit that God was talking about taking from Moses and putting them on the 70 elders was actually Moses' spirit, his character, his nature. Could it be that what God was doing was showing Moses his capacity? Then now it's not that you're going to lead a nation, but watch this. I'm going to have 70 individuals that you're going to pour yourself into. I'm going to take of you and I'm going to pour them into you because you're a leader that doesn't understand how to pour into people. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to, I wish he did this. Oh my God, I wish he did this. I'm going to take it out of you and I'm going to just put it on all 70 of them and they're going to lead. And as you continue to read the scriptures, they began to lead, speak do the things that Moses was going to do. I can show it to you in your own life. Uh, watch this. Have you ever had a person? You don't have to raise your hand. But have you ever had a person? And it's probably that person that keeps asking you the same thing and you keep giving them the same advice and they do the opposite. But whatever. We're going to love them anyway. But, but have you ever had a person that's come to you and they've told you like, yeah, man, I'm dealing with this. This is going on. I, I can't figure this out. And all of a sudden now, even to the point that sometimes you even re re remember scriptures that you never remembered it. And the Bible says in Hezekiah chapter four, verse seven, like you, sometimes you don't even give the scripture. You're like, the Bible says, bro, you don't even know if the Bible said that. You read that on a freaking Instagram quote, but it's the word of God. And you encourage them. And then when the conversation finishes, have you ever noticed that they're like, man, thank you. I needed that. I, 
I appreciate that. And all of a sudden, they came in and they were crying, <laughs> doing all that. And all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, all right. I got this. We're going to do that. And raise your hand if you've ever been in that situation. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Pretty much everybody inside of this room, what you did was that you took something that was inside of you and you placed it inside of them and you gave them courage and you gave them strength in that moment. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, speaking about the, the, the church of Corinth, he says with the very same comfort that I'm going to comfort you, you're going to be able to take that comfort and comfort others because inside of you, God has built you with certain specifications that we're going to bear each other's burdens, that God has given in your spirit what you have inside of you that you can actually place it on other people and watch them as they walk through situations of pure hell because of the strength and the faith that you possess because of your spirit Moses I'm going to take of your spirit and I'm going to put it on them and they began to lead there are things inside of you man that you give to people you don't even know it this right here all I'm doing is talking yo I could play 10 games of basketball and my wife know this I probably sleep less i don't know maybe there's a couple of you that sleep less than me but I, I don't sleep like i can't three five hours at the most you know what i mean like i just can't i'm always going i'm like yo what's the next party where are we going what are we doing ah let's go ah, ah. let's go i just don't know how to stop and people have to slow me down because they're like you know relax i don't i don't know how to stop i'm just ah i'm just constantly going and sometimes i can hurt people because i'm built totally different than other people and if i am the person that i'm not sleeping if I'm the person that's constantly going, it's constantly after it and after it and after it and after it. There comes a time in my life where I got I to rest. But even with resting, there comes times in my life where I got to lean on people. And I need for your spirit to encourage me. Because, yo, I'm, I can go for days. But do you know that when I finish preaching, I play basketball, I can do everything. When I finish preaching, that's the most tired that I get every single Sunday. You guys, my wife. What? That's a demon. <laughs> you can ask my wife. When I finish preaching, I go home, and I just want to lay on the couch. Even if we go, like, hang out with Jason Allison, we go somewhere, like, I'm the guy that's just like, I, you, you won't see me be myself. Like, I'm the one bouncing at the party. What's up? What you doing, Amanda? Oh, my God, what you doing? How you doing? Oh, my God. But, but after I preach, the reason why is not because I'm physically exerting myself. This is nothing. I'm talking to you. But what I'm doing is that I'm pulling something out of me. And I'm putting it inside of you that you're able to tap into on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, in 2024 when you need it. The things that come out of this moment when you preach, when you allow for things to come out of you into other people is because of how God built you. You are stronger than you think. You have strength on reserve in your most vulnerable, hurting place. That is when God sometimes uses you the most. I'm going through it and now I got to help this person. Yes, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I want you to see something. I was I was studying, I was studying this this uh, lions and tigers and bears. I was studying lions, and I was watching this. And I, you know, I was at the dentist, and they put these weird uh, National Geographic things um, because they're gonna kill you, and they don't want you. You know, if you're a dentist here, I love you in Jesus' name. We need you. <laughs> But, but I remember watching this, and they were talking about how lions, right? So like young lions, whenever they're going to mate, right? So they're going to mate with another, a lioness, right? When they're going to mate, in the middle of it, for them to be able to meet, to mate with the lioness, they have to fight amongst each other. They, they got to fight with each other. It sounds like a youth group. They got to fight with each other. And then the victor, the one that is the strongest, that's the one that gets to mate with the lioness. Why? Because they're trying to reproduce strength and eliminate all weakness. 
This is what God does in your life. Fight upon fight. It's removing things that, first of all, were your biggest weaknesses. The things inside of you that you had as a crutch. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's whatever it is, but you're leaning on something. And all of a sudden, there's a fight where that disappears. And all of a sudden, you go to, oh, my God, I can't survive. And you notice that you just put another step forward. And you begin to fight forward. Because now you enter into another fight. Oh, this is so encouraging, Chino. At what point do I rest? You're going to rest. Rest when you die. But right now, we're going to fight. And there's another fight. And I want to cuss this person out because they were the ones that were wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. But all of a sudden now, you continue to move forward as you fight. Now the next person that does that to you, you give them a little bit more grace. I understand where you're at. I get it. I understand. You're crazy. (laughs) And I got to love you. And I get it. But then you continue to move forward. With every fight, there's another ounce of your weakness that dies. So, So God isn't trying to kill you as much as God is trying to strengthen you. God is trying to show you. When you take a tree, John chapter 15, when you take a tree and when the tree starts to produce, for us that know, CC, you know this, for us that understand this, when a tree is starting to produce, what you want to do is that you want to start cutting off some of the branches, some of the leaves. You want to be able to do this thing that the Bible says is the word pruning. You want to prune it. You want to cut stuff off. You want to eliminate things. Because what happens is that when the pruning process has taken place, you you look at that tree and that tree looks like it's bare. It looks like it will never produce again. I mean, a tree that has been pruned, all the leaves are gone. It just looks like an empty stick. But what's crazy is every single clipping, slowly but surely, what it's doing is that it's producing strength. Because where one apple used to be on that tree branch, now all of a sudden there's two where there's six apples that used to be on a tree branch now there's 12 and the more that you prune it the more that you clean it up the more that you clip the areas that don't belong the more healthy the more beautiful that tree comes and there is a season of fall where every single leaf is going to come out and it looks like nothing is growing but in reality what it's doing it's preserving and it's building up strength because the moment that one leaf comes out the moment that one drywall is put up the moment that one single frame is put up all of a sudden now you start watching as the building starts going higher and higher you start watching as your life starts producing more fruit than it ever did and it's not God trying to kill you it's God pruning you but it's you shift the focus and if you actually give yourself better perspective you start to notice oh I'm I'm built a little different fight forward as you fight fight forward you don't retreat you apply pressure and you continue to move forward for some of us in this room I would love to introduce you to the great architect there was a God that slowly but surely aligned it to the point where you finally responded and you're either watching online or you came into the room and you finally listened to somebody who invited you and they've been inviting you for a long time and what God is trying to show you here in this moment is that yo you you weren't built by the circumstances of your past You weren't built by the pains that you endured. You weren't built by what your dad or your mom did. That's not what built you. I built you. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says that he formed you. He knit you together in God's, in your mother's womb. He knew you. 
before you were ever formed. You were already a thought in God's process. You're not a spirit that received a body or, or a body and a soul that received a spirit. You were a spirit in God's mind, in God's heart, and he created you and he gave you a body and he gave you a soul because he loves you. And for some of us, man, we've been living life without him for so long and you've been trying to figure it out on your own. Today, I want to introduce you to the great architect. He understands you. You're not going to go and pull up a, an operational manual from a lawnmower to try to fix an iPhone. It doesn't work. But if you go back to the manufacturer, he knows your specs. He knows how you were built. He not only wants to take control of your life, but he wants to direct it. He wants to bless it. And he wants to use your life. For some of us who are in this place, before we get into any of the things that we talked about today, you, you just need to give your life to Jesus. It's as simple as that. I mean, I hope it doesn't sound cliche, but the great architect, he wants to lead you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to show you what you're made of. He put the right type of things inside of you. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms.